Burbank when he's sitting there, you know, talking to the co-pilot. John, how much fuel we got? Oh, about half a tank. <laughs> ah, we can make it. <laughs> you know, why don't they gas the thing well, up don't when we're they in Burbank? Know the weather in Dallas is going to be a little iffy beforehand, too. So we stop in Albuquerque. There were these two lesbians sitting across the aisle from me. Mm. <laughs> they were going up to New England. I don't know whether it was for a commitment ceremony or what, but they were going up to New England. And so they were all nervous about missing their connecting flight. But they were lesbian. Really? Oh, yeah. They were publicly displaying their publicly affection? Publicly displaying their affection. Wow. And not bad looking either. Hots? Yeah, they were all right. They, they were not hots heterosexually. You threw the fact they were lesbian and, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, hot. <laughs> so they were sitting behind George. So I just enjoyed that all that sin was George going get, on behind George. Does George get pretty, like, uncomfortable with that stuff? He's homophobic. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's, he certainly hates how do gays. Homo, how do homophobes deal, deal with lesbians? Um, privately, they work their bodies over while thinking about them. But <laughs> <laughs> publicly, they're really against it, you know, politically. That sort of thing. So we finally got in last night. Mm-hmm. That was it. It was pretty uneventful. We had a good week of broadcasting, a lot of funny moments, a lot of funny times in the hotel rooms and stuff. Oh, nobody yeah. got in a fight. Nobody got mad at each other. I mean, you guys usually work and then leave each other, and y'all y- are staying in the same hotel, spending the whole week together. Mm-hmm. Usually a little bit of tension gets going. No, and I was thinking about this, and we brought this up on the show. Craig brought it up. I, I think it, of it as so normal it never occurred to me but it never occurred to me that i guess other businesses don't make people room together no when no. they send people on the road no well especially at your your guys level i mean you guys are talent on their talent they usually wouldn't let somebody at that level which would be a kind of a vice uh-huh. president level or something you never room with anybody else. well man i just i this is the only real adult job i've ever had and you can barely consider this adult and so I didn't know any better. I just assumed that everyone roomed together because it makes sense. Companies trying to save money, you get people to room together. Well, um, and so I was thinking, you know, towards the end of the week, you know, everybody gets along so well. It's it's like not a real hassle for us to room together. Does anybody demand having their own room? Anybody say only two I- people? Oh, yeah. Uh, and you know, but Norm this time, Norm has started to room with Frito. Norm always used to get his own room, mm-hmm. and when he came from Cliff. You know, down there, or up there, I guess, they're a few floors above us. Um, up there, they used to all get their own rooms. Every show host, I guess, got their own rooms. Well, of course, when Norm moves here, the ticket works differently, so he has to share. Well, for the first few years, Norm would, um, I just can't room with anyone. So he would pay out of pocket for his own room. Guess who else gets their own room? I would. There's one guy at the station who pays out of pocket for his own room because he refuses to room with someone. I would guess Dan. Dan McDowell. That's Is that correct. right? Yep. That's correct. So who, who does Bob go- room with? Usually? Nobody. Bob gets a free room. Bob and Dan used to room together. And, but now, Dan, I, I don't know how long this has been going on, but now he just... And that's two weeks worth of a hotel room that Dan pays for to have his own room. Wow. Hmm. You know, at whatever, 120 to, a night. He used to drive down, like when you, they weren't going down to San Antonio for things or Austin for things, he'd drive by himself. Yeah, and he also yeah, he will can't not carpool. He won't ride with someone on long trips. Is it a weed thing? I, you know, I don't know. Too many channel choices in the rooms at night now. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I think it's, uh, 
I mean, Bob Sturm speculates it's a couple things. <laughs> maybe illegal substances and maybe impure movies. Maybe, and, yeah. And internet. Yeah, maybe he since he's paying his own bill, he doesn't want people seeing what his pay-per-view choices are yeah. for the week. Could be. Man Camp 3. <laughs> <laughs> and all that stuff. So, yeah, I thought that was odd. That Dan McDowell, of all people, would be the guy who had to have his own place. It is kind of bizarre. Because you'd think of anyone, it'd be like Grego or somebody right. who's well, real... I, you know, I, I think... But I, I think in the case of, of Dan, it's not necessarily because he's a prima donna. It's more that he's just kind of weird. He's got yeah. things going on. He's a yeah, I, I agree. You know, but as far as antisocial, you'd think I would be the most antisocial. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing, too. Being in corporate America before I started the magazine, I always had my own room. I would struggle going back to room with somebody now. Not really? Not doing anything that I do in my room, anything unique. It's just I've always had my own room. Well, and I also think that it, it makes a big difference. I mean, if you were throwing potluck in with just some other guy who's worked down yes. the hall and you don't know him. I mean, we all know each other really well and we're, you know, Craig and I are best friends. So, you know, it's like, it's not that big a deal. But if you threw me in with some guy from sales, then yeah, I'm paying out of pocket get my own room in. <laughs> <laughs> I had a situation. We used to, this was in, uh, back in the day, um, we, we would send salespeople out for training, and we would give them, you know, salespeople would give them um, roommates. So we had this um, woman who was in training from Wichita, Kansas, and a guy from Tyler going to training out in Atlanta. And um, the woman from Wichita was rooming with this other woman, and um, the guy in Tyler was hitting on him, his, her roommate, really hard to the point where she got uncomfortable and the woman, the, the, the girl from Wichita, found out about it, went out and just kicked his ass. Right oh my in the goodness. middle of the whole group. I mean, he, she just, just railed into him. She was a, Physically or? Just physically killed him. I mean, just beat the crap out of him. Huh. <laughs> and the two trainers were pulling her off and trying to do whatever. And just, I mean, the guy was just, I mean, beat the hell. And uh, so it, it was a big black mark on my record because here What's I wrong said, with guys who can't take the hint? You know, when the girl gives him the brush off, he doesn't know. He just keeps pestering. I don't know. But it was a Why do we do thing. that, Dave? I, I give up. I just go curl up in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. I try to find love in the bottom of a whiskey glass at that point. Or, or in your own hotel room, right? Kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Man Camp 3. I try to, yeah, man camp three, and I try to find love between the mattress and box spring. Does that work? Uh, huh? Yeah. Huh. Is it approxi <laughs> does it approximate buttocks? I'm sorry? Excuse me? <laughs> We're talking about golf. Oh. Hey, and the other theory is the ticket makes us room together because they know it's a bit incubator. Well, yeah. that's definite. They it know that it gets stories. And it definitely helps the... Uh, Kind of the, I guess the mystique of the road trip, uh -huh. and creating all the funny stories and scenarios. Right. But did they send you to a budget hotel? Are you guys in a nice place? Or oh, I think it's pretty nice. I mean, it's you know, it's like a hundred bucks a night or something. I mean, the hotel seems nice. It's a, it's a, I think it's a Marriott or something like that. Mm -hmm. Now, when you guys do the morning show, you you do it from one of your rooms, or do you no. do it from the uh, a room down at the 
Cowboys facility. No, we stay in a different town than Oxnard, an adjacent town, and we drive in, you know, whatever, 15, 20 minutes, and then do <laughs> do our show from another hotel room that's at the Cowboys practice <laughs> facility. But it's not, it's part of the Cowboys facility. It's not like the ticket is paying for that room, too, right? Oh, I think we pay for that room, really? too. Really? Yeah. yeah, I bet they'd have a rental fee for something like that. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. And that's the engineer's room. They stay in that room. Oh, okay, okay. That's why you find the engineers are sleeping during our show. They just crawl in bed. Yeah, I mean, that's... Well, they engineer the show <laughs> from the end of the bed. I mean, that's where the setup, the mixing board and everything is at the end of their bed, the foot of the bed. And so they just lay down and they start snoring. <laughs> it's so unstable because our show starts at 3.30 local time in California, which is so early. You know, like like we were we stopped at a gas station on the way to... Uh, the broadcast on Thursday morning, and, you know, I'm getting like power bars and Diet Coke or something for breakfast and paper, and uh, the guy behind me was, you know, obviously on his way home, <laughs> all tatted up and everything, and as I'm checking out, he's right beside me behind this rack of candy bars, just stuffing his pants, just shoplifting, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just a convergence of worlds there. I'm going to work in my generic businessman job and he's All right, so you coming home and getting everything loading up. So did you turn him in? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I Like, uh, the guy behind the counter kind of looked over at the guy a little bit weird, you know, and and I... And you mouthed, shoplifter, shoplifter. No, I did the old uh, take my finger and point over to him where, <laughs> you know, he can't see that I'm pointing to him, but... So I pointed to him. And then I get in the car... And Craig's driving, and I say, man, you see that guy? I mean, the guy looked like clockwork orange figure, you know, kind of thing. Man, that guy in there is shoplifting, and the, you know, clerk acknowledged that he knew that he was shoplifting, so he's about to confront the guy. And Craig's like, oh. And he drove off. And meanwhile, <laughs> this, I mean, the guy looked like he was... a murder. Yeah, the guy looked like he was armed. It was just a little short Iranian clerk, you know, and... Craig just drove well, off. See you later. Yep. We'll well, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just read about that in the paper tomorrow. I know. So, it's fun time. Fun time good. So, you guys are going back, right? Going back. We got this week here in town. We're going to cover the Cowboys from the Dallas angle. And then we're is there, go back is there anybody in camp next week from the ticket? Norm and Bad Radio. Oh, okay. Yep. So they stagger it after the first week. So does, Nor mm -hmm. does uh, Dan need a private plane to get out there, too? Or That's what I'm wondering. I wonder if he doesn't like to fly with people. <laughs> he might drive by himself. So if it's like $130 a night, he's spending two weeks out there. How much money is that? He's probably breaking even. About two grand. Breaking even? Oh, gosh. <laughs> gosh. That's about two grand. All for spank privileges. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Okay, coming up, you got the, you got the rant.
should be when was last week we did the same thing last was it? last week was ben and skin i guess it was oh. maybe two weeks ago or th- three weeks ago yeah whatever yeah. 214-787-1310 is our telephone number this is the rant with gen x davy and gordon keith and by, you, by the way the van- uh vanilla shake mpeg won't open on this computer will you uh maybe open it on that one and tell me what it is just yeah don't bring that up that was just my little thank you guys for a good job. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, some other disgusting. It's a, it's, a, it's a, an email that uh, Gordon distributed to Grego. Yeah, he requested to get on the list. Myself, uh-huh. uh, Corby, yeah. and uh, Big Dumb Danny. Mm-hmm. And the subject line is just wanted to say good job at training camp, even though I wasn't even there and had well, nothing to you, do with you it. You feel like you're a part of us, Dave? Okay. And uh, the attachment says Vanilla Shake MPEG. Uh-huh. But for some reason, it uh, wouldn't open on this computer. I'm just really curious as to what it is. <clears throat> 1014 on Sports Radio 1310, the ticket. Boy, do we have so much to talk about. Right? Yeah, I guess. What do you have prepared, David? You're still the producer, right? I guess you're not the producer anymore. Where, there's no one sitting in the producer chair. It's the most disorganized show ever. Yeah, Jason kind of uh, named himself producer and slid over from the board op chair, and now... And now he's not here. Now I guess he's just skipping out. Where is he? Do we know? I think he moved to Hawaii. What's that? I think he moved to Hawaii. He's thinking about moving, so he's getting ready. He quit? Uh, I, something along those lines. Either quit or he's, you know, just stepping down for better things. I mean, it's he's, Hawaii. He's going to move, hey, Dill, pest control to... <laughs> The island. <laughs> so, I mean, as host of the show, I give no, there was no notice or anything? The last words I heard him say were kind of mumbled, but I saw him giving the finger as he's walking out the door oh, saying your name. Oh, no. Jeez. Well, you can, well, you can right. chase off a board op, can't you? <laughs> we have an opening for a producer now here on The Rant. Do we really? By the way, The Rant may enter the world of podcasting soon, if I can ever get someone to figure it out for well, us. I, I noticed that there's a whole podcasting thing on the ticket. Yeah, the ticket, uh, let me see if I can navigate. But can you, not, can you not set up 10 to noon on Saturday? I haven't experimented with it yet. No, I don't know how it works. I really don't. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Even if I started talking about it, it would, I would sound dumb and I don't know what it's all about. But the ticket does podcast now. If you go to theticket.com and click on uh, Ticket Podcast. And right now, I think we're only podcasting the Ticket Top Ten each night. Oh, is that it? Yeah. That sucks. What do you mean? I thought you could, like, uh, podcast the whole show. No. That's weak. Why is that weak? It's just kind of weak. That's Dude, all. we got to have some incentive for people to tune in. 
If we had, if we were, if you were just able to TiVo all of the ticket, you, but people would still listen. Yeah, but that's not the way the ratings things work, and you know it, and it's, it just gets confusing. Okay. All right. I mean, I agree. I, personally, I think that this show in particular will go to a, a podcast exclusive. Probably. Well, I just know that, you know, uh, gosh, it was what? Three years ago now that we were on Yahoo. Yeah. And Don't you, you miss those days? You know, you had the archives, so you would be able to go back and listen to, like, the last six rants mm -hmm. whenever you wanted to. And I just, I remember when that went away, when we changed uh, streaming providers, that so many people were totally bummed about that because yeah, they never... Could, archives. Yeah, because they never listened to the rant on Saturday mornings. They just listened to it whenever they wanted to. Well, I should probably... You know, I really should do something with that GordonKeith.com and start putting lots of audio up there and all that stuff. I just need to turn it over to someone else. I mean, I, I sit there and I'm the only one that works on that thing now. I work on it. When? In theory. You haven't worked on it in two years. In theory, though. I'm I still guess in on theory, staff. Yeah, somehow a good, good point made by you. So, yeah, and all I do is just people get annoyed. I don't update it enough or whatever. Or, hey, these links suck. And uh, Okay, well, I regret spending an hour doing that last night. You know, so I have all that. So I probably need someone who can dedicate more time to it and put the audio up there and podcast the rant and, I don't know, podcast news in the news or one of those segments or something like that. Because, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm a, I love all this new technology. And I guess we should probably say for people who are kind of techno idiots what podcasting is. Yeah, podcasting is where you can basically download a show into your iPod or MP3 player and listen to it, of course, whenever you want to. It's genius. It is. It's really genius. But and you know what? I should also probably start selling advertising on GordonGeeth.com. God, you're opening a whole can of worms there. Well, I know, but what else should I do, Dave? I don't know. I mean, I look over, I don't, Norm makes like 60 grand a year off his website. I pay out the wazoo to have mine up there. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, very smart man. I don't know how to make money. <laughs> do Bob and Dan have advertising on theirs? I don't know. Let's see here. Bob and Dan dot net. You know, the whole podcasting thing is so confusing because, no, because basically anyone with a computer and a microphone can podcast something. Mm -hmm. They can podcast themselves, you know, going number two if they want. Mm, that's odd choice. But maybe somebody would want to listen to that. There, there might be an, a market for that. But I guess there, there are different uh, websites that um, people can post their stuff on. You know, the tickets, top ten or whatever, is, is strictly on iTunes, right? Uh, no. It's, iTunes is just the best. Um, but that's the only place you can subscribe to it. Is that not true? I don't think so. It just says that we recommend iTunes, and we recommend... Well, I think we recommend it for playback, but I think that's the place that you can get it. Oh, is it? Well, maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I'm confused. I am, too. 214-787-1310 is our telephone number as we take 
calls on this. And also, you know, what about the idea of having a subscription level to GordonKeith.com where you can see things like Vanilla Shake? I, I want to see it. I, I want to know what I'm missing. So would can somebody you give me pay, a hint? how much would somebody pay to see all the stuff that we reference but we can't post? Yeah, but can you legally charge for that because it's not your content? If it's some yeah. random NPEG that, you know, belongs to somebody else. But yet at the same time, all these other sites, you know, like I'm, GordonKeith.com is one of the biggest refers to, uh, what are all those sites? E-Bomb and, you know, there's Big Boys and there's all those other sites. And they have a subscription level? I think so. But all of those sites repost video. I mean, like, you can find the same video on three or four or five yeah. of those different sites. I guess. I just, I don't know the, uh, like, the laws of internet. Porn? Yeah. Hi, you're on the ticket. Uh, Gordon, th yeah. this is uh, Panic Matt. How's it going? Hey, Panic Matt. Where are you, you don't work for us anymore? No, I, I, I want your producer job. I'm failing. I'm failing miserably. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Panic Matt used to work at the ticket. He was an engineer, and he failed here. And then you, you left to go to something that was going to be a lot better, right? Yeah, uh, I had a kid. How'd remember? that work out? Yeah, I remember that. Remember baby all up in her and stuff? Oh, my gosh. And uh, so where did you go? I, I went to work for a company, you know, the regular the regular 9 to 5 job. Uh-huh. But I'm failing. I, I need I need the producer job. Well, what kind of, well this, is, this is not like a job that's going to pay your rent, dude. It's a, producing for two hours a week. Will it feed my child? No. No. Your dirty child? He's not dirty. <laughs> He's clean today. He's clean today? You yeah. might you might be able to <sighs> steal a bag of chips or something from Ticket Sports Saturday. See, and here's the weird thing about Matt. There's, there's no way, because your wife, for some reason, got all worked up in her mind that I was what was wrong with the world. Oh, Gordo? Uh, and my wife's on the other line. I guess she's listening. No, no. You're in trouble. Oh, have know. her talk to us. She won't. She won't come on the air with you. She doesn't why like not? Conference us in with her. Well, that's the thing. I, w I want to know why she doesn't like me. I mean, what is this well-thought-out reason position? When I talked to her, I never could really get it out of her. I know. She just, she just doesn't like you. I'm sorry. Well, why would she want you working with me then? I haven't told her. Oh. I thought you said she was on the other line. I think that's why she's on the other line. Oh. I'm yeah, I just, I can't do that to your family. I think it would split up your family. I See, I think there's sexual tension between me and your wife. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, now no. that I think about it, yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah, see, it made sense to Dave. I, I so mean, I got she, a second opinion on it. Well, then can I have sexual tension between me and your wife? Yeah, if you want. She's okay. on the market now, so. All right. Well, have a good one, and, uh, and I hope I make it in life. Oh my gosh! So, are you Can having? I have a gunshot? Gunshot? Are you, you going to have another baby anytime soon? I, I don't know. I, I if if I don't get a gunshot, I guess I, I will. Oh jeez! That was Matt. I was going to give him the job. What does this say? Sixty years ago today, a hundred thousand scat films were interrupted. Is it what is it the? Uh, Hiroshima. Hiroshima anniversary. Yeah. Okay, I think could have worded a little bit better than that. That's how the paper has it. Oh, it is. I believe, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we are the USA Today observant of that anniversary. Japanese today. 
Uh, it's 1024 on Sports Radio 1310, the ticket. Hi, you're on AM Radio. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, talk about the Hiroshima bombing thing, the 60th anniversary. Yes. Because uh, I was just over there back in June. Uh-huh. And the, like, the whole thing, like the thing that really struck me about it, is the fact that the museum they have there uh-huh. is really kind of, didn't really tell the whole story about why America bombed Hiroshima. They kind of play up that as, like, uh, shoot from the hip bad guys. Because they like really don't talk about the ferocity of the fighting in the Pacific and stuff. So okay, what is the um, what is the argument for Hiroshima? It was that this was a was it a military city that well, bombed? Yeah, they what they did was in Hiroshima they said at the museum that it was one of the cities that was kind of they built up the war materials and the kind of like part of the war machine and that they would go through and uh, they would, you know, produce a lot of the weapons and a lot okay. of the stuff to support the, the war. So there was a reason to bomb it other than yeah. just, hey, look, a lot of their women and kids are here. This will, this will really hurt them. Boy, politically, could could we get away with, you know, nuking Baghdad? I mean, and killing millions of no women and children? No, I don't think I we mean, can. it's amazing that we even did that. I know. It, it still is very shocking. And, you know, it was strange, and thanks for your call, it's strange because I remember Truman saying that um, he never had any regret about it. It seems like I remember reading him something about him saying this, that he didn't have any regret and never really thought twice about it. God, how, how, how do you, you not? not? I don't know either. <clears throat> I don't get it. I mean, you are making the ultimate call about whether, you know, a million people live or die. Right. That have really nothing directly do, to do with the conflict, other than the fact that I know they're I mean, the nationality of your enemy. I mean, here's the deal. I, you know, I don't know. I think it's certainly a tough moral gray area, okay? And that's what you pay leaders to do is to make those kind of dece- decisions. They lead. But to have a leader that says, oh, I have no conscience about it, which means that he doesn't even debate moral implications, that's the kind of leader that scares the heck out of me. That says, oh, I don't, I don't consider morality or anything like that. It's a way to get my, you know, it's just the means to get to the ends I want. That's creepy. How far apart were Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Uh, two days, three days, something like that. Or was it the next day? Oh, it was three days. Yeah. Hi, you're on Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. Hey, I have a comment on this Hiroshima thing, if you can get me on. Yeah, you're on. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, you're, yeah, on. you're on. You're on comment. You're, so I'm on the radio. Right? Yes, yes, you, you are, are, sir. Oh, pardon me. Yeah, on the Hiroshima bells, I certainly appreciate your your perspective. But the Dallas Morning News had an interesting uh, article. Pardon me, the website, website WashingtonTimes.com, talking about the decision that Truman made. They had intelligence that the, the Japanese would not surrender. So the, the, the decision saved millions of American lives. Well, we know all that. We know all that stuff. I mean, the the whole argument, I know the argument that's saying, well, if we hadn't have done that, then they wouldn't have surrendered right away and we would have lost millions of more right. lives, soldiers. Yeah, I know that. So what's, what's your, well, how can you possibly stand there and say then, then why did we do it? First of all, it was 160,000 plus the residual after, I imagine. But when, when did I say, why did we do it? Yeah, you know, the whole thing, uh, this, this whole is what, thread This is what of, I can't of, stand about this selective listening business. Nobody said, why did we do it? 
what we were talking about was don't you at least think that there's some sort of moral decision you're making you're making yeah. some sort of moral calculus in your head hey this is the consequence of this what is it what's right uh, if i can kill 130,000 and granted they're women and children and men and stuff like that 130,000 civilians to save a million soldiers lives is that worth it i mean that is the moral question that you're making right. but to sit there and say well it's not even a moral question let's just do this you know they're they're dirty japanese and we're americans so well, let's um, pardon me for having selective listening you're right i'm in traffic here that's all right i understand you shouldn't be listening when you're in traffic <laughs> i'm I that's, when, that's when they should be very, listening oh yeah decisions must be very difficult hmm. And that, that's, I mean, that's my point, is that I think it should be difficult. Yeah, and, and I was, you know, I was completely ignorant saying that they killed a million people. I was just pulling that number out of my rear. But, you know, my, I, I don't... Well, I'm ignorant, I'm not too, asking, on it. I'm, I, like, this is just calling from my memory banks. I think it's 130,000, 160,000, right, right. somewhere in there. I don't know. But I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not asking why did we do it. I mean, obviously you know, it hastened the end of the war. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just saying I can't believe that we did do it. Right. You know, especially projecting that same situation into the present day politically correct, you know, global climate. Can you imagine, you know, if... Can you just imagine the political nightmare for George Bush if, you know, he made the call to nuke a major city of a political enemy, North Korea or Iraq or whatever? Right. If we were in a you know a full scale war, and yeah, I couldn't see how you could get away with that today. There's no way. I mean, even all this, George Bush is still. I mean, know. I guess if maybe if if Hiroshima and Nagasaki had never happened, you know, if there if there never was the history of such a, you know, catastrophic event. Well, George Bush right now is making a decision. Hey, you know what? It's horrible to lose American soldiers' lives, but I'm willing to lose more of those lives rather than just you know bomb the entirety of Iraq and yeah we're gonna just wipe out all the insurgents we kinda think they're in this city well we're gonna bomb the whole city we'll get rid of all those insurgents he could do that he's making some sort of uh, decision politically and morally not to do it but I think people get blinders on whenever you question America that's a real big thing obviously now these days you know, if you question America, you obviously hate America. I mean, that is how... Think about what a complex creature a human being is. And all this complex thinking we're able to develop. And all the things we've been able to invent. But when it gets down to, you know, this sort of thing, we have to get very simple, knee-jerky, we think like animals. You know? You can't think complexly that when you question something doesn't mean that you're necessarily against it. Right. You're trying to say, well, this deserves some thought. Are you loyal it? to the pack or are you not? Right. That's all people want to know. And, and I hate that because I, I want conservatives to have a better image than that. But the problem is, is that a lot of thinking conservatives get a bad rap by people who are so blinded by patriotism that they, that they start coloring things that are inappropriate to color with patriotism. I, I, I don't believe they're called coloreds. Uh... I'm sorry. I withdraw that. Hi, you're on Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. Yeah, this is Mike from Abilene. Hey, Mike from Abilene. And, and uh, I'm a history major, and I've always been interested in the topic y'all are talking about. Good. Well, inform us. Educate us. <laughs> and I was hoping just to weigh in for a second. Um, you know, we used conventional bombs and killed 250,000 people in Dresden, Germany, mm -hmm. and killed 300,000 in Tokyo. 
So I've always been curious as to why we talk. So I guess it's just the spectacular yeah. atomic explosion. Yeah, I think, I think you know the answer to your question. Yeah, though. I mean, it's it's a, you know, a thousand bombs versus one bomb. You know, yeah, you're doing it all um, at once. But, I mean, the loss of life is still the issue, the main issue, and we killed more in those two because we practiced total warfare for many, many decades before World War II. The other countries do the same thing. Japan killed millions of Chinese people, like in Nanking, where they just totally wiped out the whole city. But we don't ever hear about that. We always hear about Hiroshima, but we don't yeah, hear about... because I think people. that was the advent of push-button, you know, right. push-button destruction. Right. And, and I think that's a, a big difference in conventional warfare. It's like you, you haven't even brought up the Civil War, which is the most costly war we've ever had, obviously. Sure. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not comparable. It's apples and oranges. Yeah, I and, and, and it's the decision, and it's the decision that you know it's that we are moving into just civilian areas, push button bombing in civilian areas, rather than I just, push bombing. I get so mad. I get so mad when I see a Dallas Morning News report on that, but they don't do any. Well, they do a little bit with Pearl Harbor, but all these other atrocities that were committed prior to that, it's kind of like a fight. If someone came out and punched you in the nose, then you punched them and knocked them out. Um, you getting in trouble for knocking them out when punched you first. I mean, kind of the hockey thing. Uh, I mean, they, they punched us in the nose first. Right. We finished them let's off. Say, let's say that people talk about us. Let's say that they punched us in the nose, and then we turn a bazooka and blow their three-year-old away. Well, they I mean, killed 3,000 people at uh, Pearl Harbor, so it wasn't just like a little, you know, <laughs> that was totally unprovoked when they attacked Pearl Harbor, that was 3,000 people dying. That wasn't yeah. anything small. Well, this is the thing, and that's what I'm talking about. Let's not get blinded by saying, oh, well, you're saying that Hiroshima is a moral issue. Well, you obviously think that they were justified in Pearl Harbor. No. Who said that? What? Well, it seems like you're talking more about moral ambiguity than you are technology. And um, you just said that we're talking well, about... Well, I do the think I do think that there's some moral ambiguity there. And, and the reason why Hiroshima is such a flashpoint for a... Uh, the moral discussion about warfare is because it's something that is so overwhelming and so th something that the average man can understand. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like Anne Frank. You know, why, I want to hear you start bagging on Anne Frank. Well, she's just one girl. There are tons of other ones. Why aren't you talking about all the other ones? Well, because uh, that was one that had some words wrapped around it. And right. the average person could say, you know what, it's hard for me to comprehend six million but when you put it in human terms, if there was this one girl, right, and she had this parent's name, she had this parent, and she had this brother, and they lived in this, you know, then all of a sudden it becomes something that we can relate to. You know all the people at Hiroshima at that memorial that you saw in the paper today? I wonder if they weep for the victims of the American soldiers that died in fighting their totalitarian government. And the question, the answer to that would be they wouldn't know because they had no voice in their government. I think if you ever have a dictatorship, you're asking for hell to be rained on you. Okay, so you're saying they should have gotten rid of their dictatorship, their emperor. Their system was incredibly flawed because one man was held up as a god, and then the military right. regime ran that country. So let's talk so about the Japanese... Have a democracy. Let's That's talk about the Japanese... good Jap argument for democracy. Let's talk about the Japanese Anne Frank, the nine-year-old girl who's running down the street in Hiroshima when the bombs dropped. Okay, what was she supposed to do five minutes before then to get rid of the dictatorship and the emperor? You know what? It was absolutely no fault of hers, but her parents and her grandparents and their parents tolerated that system and that dictatorship that led to all hell breaking loose. So is she at fault? No. 
Okay, well, uh, let's talk about her parents. What were they supposed to do five minutes beforehand or ten okay. minutes beforehand or one year beforehand? You know, it, like I said, if you don't have a democracy, if you have no voice in your government, you ask for something like that to happen because if you let military guys run the show, and as much as some liberals would like to think, our military does not run our country. They're a big part of our country, but they do not run the country. And when you do have one where the military regime runs the show, it's only a matter of time before people do suffer, including your own. Right. But what, do you, what happens if you have something like we have now, where we have elected officials that make a decision that maybe, let's say, 49% of the people don't agree with? Do you just say the 49%? Well, you're out of luck. You're part of this well, whole system that made this decision. You know, I guess no system is perfect, but I would take one where people have voice, which we do. Absolutely. Over a, you know, over an empire where they don't have a voice. And I just, I guess you make some really good points. I guess what I'm just trying yeah, to but say you, is that... You, but, but what you've done is said that her grandparents, the little kid in Hiroshima, her grandparents and parents were responsible for a system in which they had no voice. Right. Don't you think that they have less responsibility than the voter in America that does have a voice... Collateral damage and people dying like Anne Frank and like this other, you know, the nine-year-old that you're mentioning running down the streets, it's tragic. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get any argument there. What I'm saying is... Yeah, is but the problem is, is that when someone says it's tragic, there's a certain conservative mindset out there that says, What about all the other... And they don't just say, well, well you, you said it was tragic. You know, I agree with you on that. They're automatically trying to redirect it. Into you know, saying, you know, well, isn't this, isn't this tragic? Yeah, well, that's tragic, too, but I wasn't talking about that just at that moment. But how would you like to be Truman and explain to half a million families why they don't have a father, why they don't have a son? You know what? It's because there's too much moral ambiguity, and, and raining bombs on a city or a bomb doesn't matter. People are still dying. I didn't want to do that because it might be unpopular with half the populace, which it wasn't at that time, by the way. It wasn't half the populace. It was overwhelming to end the thing quickly. How would you like to explain to those half a million families why they don't have a father or a son? Because, you know what, this might be unpopular in the future. I'm going to go ahead and send those guys in and just have them brutally massacred as they're trying. I mean, that whole island was prepared to fight to the last. They had suicide boats. They had all kinds of things. Right. They were planned for our invaders. Now, we should do that. But so you wait, your question, your question is, how would I like to be Truman to explain to 500,000 families? Uh, oh, right. I wouldn't like that. And, and I don't think that we're holding Truman over the fire and saying that he made the wrong I'm not, decision. Yeah, I'm not even saying he's wrong. We're just, just saying, saying, we're just saying it's, it's amazing that he was able to make that decision, and, and, then, and we were comparing the climate of the time to the climate today. Yeah, I don't think it was an easy decision for him. You, I, mentioned, I heard you mention that a while ago. I think you mentioned one quote that he made about that he didn't have a problem with it after a lot of deliberation, but I've read a book on him that says that it wasn't a snap decision. There was a lot of thought, a lot of intelligence that went but, into but it. But why, why would there be a lot of thought that goes into it if it's so clear-cut like you're saying? Oh, well, it's 500 of our guys, which you is real what? obvious it's going to be that. I mean, we know the future. It, it, it will be that. You know, you know it it's so clear-cut. Really it sounds really bad for me to say this. It's going to come across as bad, but you mentioned the nine-year-old in Hiroshima. The fact that she died is horrible, but I'm more worried about the nine-year-old in America that don't have fathers, that don't have brothers and sons, etc., than I am about her. And I know that sounds bad, but I am more worried about the American kids without the fathers at Pearl Harbor, at Okinawa, at Iwo Jima, etc., than I am about her. What if her she was... country started the war... We finished it. What if she would have been the world's greatest MPEG star? 
Yeah. What What if she was going to cure cancer um, for all the Americans, but not give it know, to the Japanese? <laughs> actually, in their society at that time, women weren't doing a whole lot on the scientific front. Right. Run, They're but, bombing no, but, on each other. And, and you bring up a, another great moral topic, which is the concept of nationalism versus, you know, a concept of what is it to be part of humankind? And do you protect uh, someone who's paid to fight, let's say, for your country? Or would you rather him die in the service of war? Or would you rather a nine-year-old die who is innocent, but she's, she happened to be born in the wrong country? Where, where, do you, where should your loyalty lie as a human being? You know, you can't play softball rules when you're playing baseball. And the rules of warfare in the 20th century were total, total warfare. It wasn't soldiers engaging each other in a field like the British and Americans in the Revolution. It was you take it to the streets, mm -hmm. you take it wherever you have to. People act like it was invented in August of 1945. It was not. Right. And, and once again, we kill a quarter million in Dresden, Germany, and 300,000 in Tokyo. But all we hear about is, I mean, when's the last time you went to a memorial for Dresden or Hiroshima, I mean, for um, Tokyo? I, I don't get it. Well, you know what? In, in I had a candlelight vigil for Dresden yesterday. Fusion, if you die from fusion or a firebomb, what's the difference? You're still dead. You, you, okay, let me give you this example and get your opinion on it. All right, in hunting, there's a, there are what are called fair chase rules. And there's an idea of a sporting chance, right, for the animal. Okay. Okay. Now, basically what ends up happening, the animal dies anyway. So, according to your argument, should you make the rule that why even bother with fair chase rules if the animal dies anyway? If the end result is the same, don't give him a chance to escape. You know, don't give him a sporting chance. There's no such thing as sporting thing. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, why, why, why if what you're saying, why do we have Geneva Convention? Why do we have rules for warfare whatsoever? We're concerned about the end product, Right. And the, and the ends justify the means, is what you're saying. Yeah, you know, I guess you're talking about, like, deer. Are you talking about deer as far as hunting? It can be any animal. There's okay. rules of fair well, chase for any. Deer, if a deer is out in the field and doesn't attack me, I, I would have nothing to do with him. Now, if a grizzly bear comes into my camp and tries to kill me and my family, that would be a different story. No, Japan, I think you're, and Japan and you're their getting confused by the analogy, innocent. then. I think Japan, you're getting confused by the analogy. Japan and their culture was not innocent. They, uh, what they did to China was far worse than Were what Were the they people did to of Hiroshima innocent? The people of you would Hiroshima. Say no, were, they, they're were they deer or grizzly bears? Right. Are, are you talking about the father that was working at the armament factory building zeros to bomb Pearl Harbor? Or are you talking about yeah. the guy that just had a candle store down the street? I mean, who's to say? You know what? I'm kind of talking about all of them because, for what you said, the emperor is the one who's making these decisions, not the people. Well, the emperor was just a figurehead, as you know. It was their military regime. Like Okay, but you know, you know what? At, by the same token, that you know, this is the exact kind of logic that we had those frickin' 9-11 uh, hijackers using was that, hey, you know, I don't care if you're in the World Trade Center. You're part of your president's decisions. So now you're comparing Hiroshima with the World Trade Center. You know, and that's the old uh -oh. thing. How could you possibly compare? This is just. No, I mean, I'm just I'm asking if you're not, you're not. Yeah, you obviously, just... you obviously just heard me say that the hijackers had the same mentality. Okay. As the bombers at Hiroshima? Uh, no, as what you said. As what you said, which is, hey, that guy who's in Hiroshima, he's, he's responsible because he didn't get rid of that emperor in time. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I put more of the blame at the feet of the Japanese people than I do of the American bombardiers or Truman or anybody else in our military. I mean, I guess that's okay, but, we're but but when the hijackers were saying, 
How would you argue against those hijackers when they say, hey, look, you people in the World Trade Center as being the financial capital of uh, New York City, of the world, in their opinion, you people are responsible for, um, for what your leaders do and for what your what? country does. For not agreeing with their jihad beliefs? Or, no, mean, no, no, I, I no, could, no. You're asking me if I, could dis, or if I could argue against these guys' points. I could for about two or are three Are the hours. people of a nation responsible for what their leaders decide? Yes. If you have a democracy, you are. Okay, but there wasn't a democracy in Japan, and you're holding them responsible. Right, because they didn't have a democracy, and whose fault is it was, that? In other words, they're, they're responsible for not having a democracy. Therefore, it's 1025. If they don't have so a you're less system, you're more responsible, who, who is that? You're more responsible in an empire as a citizen than you are in a democracy. That is a if very confusing if your argument. Culture, if your culture doesn't have a representative government, it's your fault. For that? Then it's your fault. Is it the Americans' fault that they had a dictatorship or, or the Nazis or the Italians at that time with Mussolini? Whose fault is that? All right. Thanks for the call. Mm -hmm. I'm I, tired I know, head. I know you do, David, and I know a lot of people do who tune in for just fun. Um, but I don't understand that argument that he's saying. He just told me that you are responsible for your government if you live in a democratic society. And then he told me you're double responsible if you live in a dictatorship. Yeah, because you should root him out and create a democratic society so you'd be half as responsible. Huh. That makes sense to me. I don't, okay. know, I don't know where we're bogging on that point. <laughs> <laughs> and did you understand my point about the, the hijackers think mm. the same way? Yeah, they think that, that that's, every citizen that's their in America, rationale. Every citizen in America is responsible for what whatever our leaders do. But uh, you and, can't... and I find it hard to believe that if... if they disagree with someone, something that our leader does, that it's okay to go and blow away a 10-year-old near the World Trade Center. I just don't understand why that's, how that's defensible by saying, well, the, the parts certainly are responsible for the sum in, uh, in all cases. It's not defensible, but um, you have uh, just opened up Pandora's box and you're going to have a million hate emails about how can you compare 9-11 to Hiroshima. You know what? And I, once again, and, and you know, it probably is a losing battle. We like simplistic thinking because we want the world to make sense. We want it to make sense right now. That's why shows like Dr. Laura are real popular. Because it's just, you know, here is one sentence that can make the whole world make sense. Take responsibility. Okay, what does that mean to take responsibility? Don't complicate things. Don't talk about moral ambiguity. Don't talk about everything's real simple. Right? How did the world get so simple? Is it really that simple? If it's so simple, why didn't everyone just decide to be happy? Okay, we just solved it all. There I have one sentence that is the root of simplicity, and if simplicity is the greatest virtue on earth, there it is. So now go take on the day. It's 11.04 on Sports Radio 13.10 The Ticket. You know, I got two guys, Sean Payton and Mike Zimmer. You got to keep an eye on those two. Because they're going to try to get the upper hand on. Mike wants the defense to do well. And Sean, he's going to have a few, no disrespect to the Orientals, but what we call Jap plays, okay? Surprise things. And uh, no disrespect to anyone. But, you know, you got to watch them because they'll, they'll sabotage each other. They Pearl Harbor you and they jap you.
Yes, that's two of the six Cowboy coaches. They're holding the grudge and, uh, for Pearl Harbor. Yeah, this is the anniversary of... They certainly supported Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, sounds like they did. It's 11.15 on Sports Radio 1310, the ticket. You're listening to Gordon Keith and David Lane, and we somehow we got off on this political rant. It's not even a political rant, which is the odd thing. My frustration with this world today is because is that everyone, no one can talk anymore. No one can talk to each other. No one can ask a question because we're so eager for certainty that we've got to categorize someone immediately. You're a liberal. No, you're a conservative. You're a right-winger. You're a neocon. You know, I, all I need to do is hear like two sentences from someone and then I want to slap the label on them because then I know how to react. I don't have to listen to their arguments or anything like that because I already have a set stock stereotype in my head that I know the things I need to say against them. Right. and, and Because you're not a person. You're just a member of a category now. Right. And kind of your, your first two sentences or comments on a subject is kind of like your secret handshake. Like if, you're, if you have the yeah. same viewpoint as me, then it's like, oh, then we, yeah. can, we can commiserate and talk about the other guy. Right. And it's just pure emotionalism. There's no thinking anymore. It's just, which side do you root for? Are you Texas or OU? I don't, I don't want to talk about, you know, whether the quarterback, our quarterback's good or anything like that. I just want to hate you. That's what I'm really into. I don't want to figure anything out. I just belong to a group, and we hate that group. And I'm going to listen to the first sentence out of your mouth, and if it sounds like something that other group might say, then I'm going to put you in that group and be against you. And that's my biggest frustration is a person who finds himself on one side sometimes, other side of the... I'm in the middle, basically. And there's nothing that liberals and conservatives can't stand alike than someone in the middle. If you're in the middle, that is the biggest threat to either side. Because... Why, why can't you make up your mind? Yeah, why can't, make up your mind. You know, my liberal friends can't stand me and my conservative friends can't stand me. I can't stand you. I know. I don't know where you stand. Because they don't want to listen to what you say on a subject. They just want to know, basically, are you a liberal or conservative? Then I'll know whether I want to argue or even talk with you. And it's not even talking, it's just arguing. So we got on this, um, this Hiroshima thing, and all this started with me going, man, that's a big decision, that Hiroshima thing. And, you know, it I, I, seems like I heard somewhere where Truman said that he never thought twice about it. How can you not think twice about it? such a big topic? Actually, it started with the USA Today headline of 60 years ago today, 100,000 scat films were interrupted. Yeah, we messed up on that. I don't think that was where actually they, where, did, where did you read that? So I mentioned, I make that question, right, about Truman, and then it immediately becomes, what are you, you're just a moral relativist. Nothing's black and white to you. Well, I didn't say anything like that. <laughs> what voice is that? <laughs> That's my impersonation of liberals or conservatives yelling at me. Because I don't fall lock, stock, and barrel into their pre-thought-out plans. That's that a good thing. movie. Most liberals and conservatives that I talk to never reasoned out their own position. They just kind of go emotionally, which group annoys me the most, and then I agree with this other group, and here are their set positions, so I agree with all these positions. I, I just, it seems like I never meet one that sits there and goes, you know what, I am so undecided on this. I've been tackling this issue for three years, and I'm still working on it, still trying to learn and everything. There's none of that. Who wants to waste three years doing that? Sign up for a team and fight. Hi, you're on Sports Radio 1310, the ticket. Gordo, good morning. Hey. Happy Hiroshima. No, I don't <laughs> is, know. That that's... Is, it, is it Hiroshima or Hiroshima? Uh, 
depends on whether you're from yeah. the north or south. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's the parking lot either way. Oh, hey, uh, why, why are you trying to make, when you're talking about warfare, why are you trying to apply logic on behalf of whoever's making the decision to go to war and kill people? Um, you know, I, I don't see, you're trying, it sounds like you're trying to rationalize, you know, it's okay to go to war and do these things, you know, if such and such happens or, you know, because you, know, it can, you can never have it 100% your way, you know what I mean? It, so, and it's not like you're just trying to... So you're saying that we should not apply reason at all to any decision-making involving war? Yeah, I think so. I mean, hmm. has, in your opinion, has there ever been a war that was justified and the things that happened as a result or during that war, you know, 100% of it was justified, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, you know, there's small wars where people break into someone's house and you blow them away because they're about to kill your kids. That little small war seems justified. No, really. If you get, I mean, no, I'm serious. And then if you get bigger, then yeah. I mean, I, and I'm not a big enough of a history buff to tell you which one. But I think that there are certainly campaigns that, well, but that I, seem but justified. I think, but I think his point is that in any conflict, no matter which side you're on, there are going to be war crimes. There are going to be violations yeah, of human I, rights. Yeah. And so not 100% of every action that either side takes is going to be justified no matter what the ends are. Yeah. And I, and I agree with that. You know, like the other guy was trying to rationalize why it was okay to go, uh, you know, blow Japan away because look what, J you know, Japan did to the Chinese. Well, what kind of rationalization is that? I know it. I know. Well, that's, you know, that's the people always, one of the common tactics of argument is redirect. When you talk about something that, that makes them a little uncomfortable, they want to redirect you into something. Well, you know, if you're going to talk about Hiroshima, then, you know, I demand equal time talking about the Japanese and the Chinese. Well, no, we're talking about this one other thing first. We may get to that and we may not. But don't demand them to be talked about concurrently. By the way, Gordon, I was really touched by your uh, happy Hiroshima card today. Yeah, did you like that? Yeah, it was I really I also heartfelt. got you a gift. It's under the Hiroshima tree at home. Hi, you're on the ticket. Uh, yeah, is, uh, this, is this Tokyo Gordo there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Uh... Why are you such a dirty Jap lover? Oh, my gosh. Well, let me, let me say, have you ever seen The Fighting CB? You ever seen that movie with John Wayne? I mean, you probably hate with all your heart. I like C's, I I like C's better than B's, personally. It's The, it's the Fighting CB's. Yeah. Let me tell you what happened. Wait a second. What did you say? I probably hate what? You hate, you probably hate John Wayne with all of your black heart. See, look, this is what I'm talking about. You just got to categorize. You, you just... You assume a cat. You assign me a category, and then you argue from the category, not from me as the person, but me as the category. Hey, you know who Fred Mertz is? From I Love Pieces. Uh huh. Well, he was in the Fighting Seabees, but he wasn't Fred Mertz there. Okay. And and uh, he was he was a happy-go-lucky. He was happy-go-lucky. He had a wife and kids. And I'll tell you what, they had they were building a pipeline, and he was sitting on top of it, and right when he was turning the valve, it was a great accomplishment. A dirty Jap sniper picks him off in that movie. And if that ain't worth bombing Hiroshima and Nagasaki, well, nothing is. Based on the scene in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a call. good point. That is a hell of a point. Hi, you're on Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. It is so hard to follow that. Uh, listen, do you believe that, that war is immoral, Gordon? I mean, do you think that is... You know, the thing is, I can't say that categorically because, right. you know, war is going to be necessary in right. some cases. Right. Can I just make a point about this? I, I enjoy your show, and I think your point's well made. I think Truman 
was posturing politically, saying, oh, I was decisive, I made a decision here, and I think... may have been, sure. But the other thing was, I think with the Japanese, uh, the reason we had to do what... Now, this is just my belief in what what went on. Uh, They were such a resolute uh, group of individuals. Their beliefs, I mean, you know, the emperor was a deity, and whatever he said went. I mean, these people were going to fight. You know, we were going to get them on their land. So they had no place to go. They were going to fight till the death. We had to do something so awful and so horrific that the whole world would stand back in horror you know, at, at what we had done. And we did do that, and it did stop a war. And, and, some, and some argue, you know, it's what kept the, it's what made us eventually win the Cold War. Well, oh, I'm, I'm completely convinced of that. And it's too bad that we can't apply that same logic to what we're doing today because it sounds so awful. But the thing is, is these group of individuals we're fighting today. Well, I think we might be able to frighten them into uh, some kind of reality. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm scared about the way that they're sneaking over the Mexican border and, and all the things they're doing. We need to do something to make the world stand up and fear us again because we don't have that respect any longer. So, so where would you drop the bomb now? Buddy, I don't know. I, it, it, like I say, it's just an idea. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go, oh, Mecca, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like that. It's just that, you know, someone needs to step up and, and present a, a clear and present danger to us, and then we need to make a firm example. We're having terrible problems with China right now, man. They are blustering and blowing at us, and, and I mean, man, we are really taking uh, a back seat. Uh, we're, we're imperiled right now. It's, it's, it's really tough. It's it's fighting uh, position we Americans are in right now. So Hey, thanks for your call. Hi, you're on Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. Hey, am I on the air or just being screened? No, you're on triple the air. Okay. Hey, uh, this is Mike from Abilene. I called you a while ago, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the war and everything, and um, I didn't even know who I was talking to. Is this, who is this? Uh, my it's name is Gordon. Ticket and are you Gordon? Yeah, Gordon okay, and I David. Did, I didn't know who it was, because you're not usually on at this time, are you? Well, yeah. I'm big fan, I guess. Um, <laughs> are y'all already past the Hiroshima thing, or is there a new topic? Well, not mm-hmm. only do you have you never listened, <laughs> you're not even listening now. <laughs> I'm on a different phone. Give me a break. All right, so what do you have to say, Mike? About? We're talking about Hiroshima. What do you have to say? Well, you know how you said about the nine-year-old girl from Hiroshima that was killed and how that's tragic. Should we not have taken over Berlin? Because a lot of kids in Germany were killed. Should we have stayed on the outskirts of the city and not taken over because kids would get killed? No. Is this Here, the history major that already took up 15 minutes of our airtime? Yeah. I really appreciated that. That's the most I've ever <laughs> talked to anybody. Yeah, it's Thanks very expensive time. No, th- here's the deal. Okay. Is that I'm saying that all those questions are allowed to be asked. That's what I'm saying. You know That's we what I'm saying. Leaders, right? What's that? You know we dropped leaflets for weeks before the bomb was dropped? Did you know that? Yeah. And they chose not to. Why not? Why didn't they evacuate? That's PSYOPs, buddy. I'm sorry? That's PSYOPs. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so should we not have taken over Berlin or any of these other cities because residual, you know, innocent people would get killed? What do we do? How do we engage in war? I don't, I don't, know, enough of, I don't know enough about that. Well, I, mean, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how many kids were killed in Berlin. I don't know. I mean, I certainly think that uh, Nazi Germany was an evil. That you know, how, how are you going to negotiate with that? Right. Or how, how are you going to How are you going to negotiate? Yeah. How are you going to no- negotiate with Japan? Yeah. I just, I just, I guess a lot of people practice selective history. I'm not saying you do, but some people do, and they look at the evil of dropping the bomb at Hiroshima, but they don't look at it 
in the whole big view. They just pinpoint August 6, 1945. No, and I definitely think it's worth, you know, the context of it, absolutely. But the question still becomes, okay, is it okay to attack civilian populations to make a point to the military? And, and, and there it gets complicated. How do you destroy industrial sites when they're usually located in cities where people are killed? I mean, that happened in Europe with the RAF and American bombers all the time. Yeah, and you How know, do you do it? And, but I think that there is a... Um, all right, well, think about what we do over in Iraq. You know, we go to all... The, we bend over backwards trying to show them, look, we're really trying to target this one building. We're so sorry the building next to it was knocked down. You know, we're really trying... We're making it a big point to do that. And I, I, for some reason, I didn't hear that reasoning with Hiroshima. Well, we didn't have smart bombs and a lot of the capabilities, obviously, well, as you well, know. And I think warfare was a lot didn't. different 60 you years pull ago. Him down. He's just blasting in my ear. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's okay. It's just your phone's really loud. I'm sorry. Um, I'm on a, on a better phone this is, time. Is we didn't even try to make that argument, I'm saying. And now, with America, you can say we're, I don't know whether you think we've evolved or devolved, but we do make these arguments that, hey, listen, we don't mm. want women and children killed. We want the killers killed. But, but you're saying that that's a weak argument or well, we shouldn't even think that way? You're talking about Iraq now, and it's kind of a different context from the... We've already given him 20 yeah. minutes. You know, I was just going to say, it's, yes, sir. it's kind of the butterfly effect, though, because if we hadn't bombed Hiroshima, then they may not have invented plasma screens. I know, and then me as an American who's never had to fight anywhere, how much enjoyment would I have if I didn't have plasma? Exactly. Hi, you're on AM. Hey, gentlemen. Hey. Davey, man, I miss your tickers. Oh, thanks. And, Gordon, you're, you're, you're the one to talk about being redirected. You're the master of redirecting. He is, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, All right, what have I redirected on? Because if I did, I do, I'd like that pointed out, and I'd like to correct it. <laughs> Going to the, uh, the, the whatever, the, the fair rule for animal hunting. Yeah, I was saying that we have this. Well, it's it's a very fine line between a redirect and an analogy. Yeah, Gordon definitely loves the analogy. So you're saying that that's not a good analogy. Listen to when he's arguing with George, and George is right, and he oh he gets George in such the corner. Anyways, the reason I'm calling is very clear where we need to drop the bomb now. Okay. On the island of tsunami. Uh, I don't think that's not. It's gaining support here with the. The Dave Lanes of the world. Uh-oh. Oh, it's gaining support throughout the control room. Uh-oh. All the, all the basketball oh, players in here are... is looking for the hottest humans in Dallas-Fort Worth. Are you hot or not? Go to theticket.com for details and a chance to win a trip for two to Vegas from Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. 1136 on Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. You're listening to The Political Rant. Gordon Keith, Dave Lane, 60th anniversary of Hiroshima bombing, one of the biggest flashpoints in the discussion of um, morality and warfare. Uh, it's certainly a convoluted topic. This, you know what it is? It's like the ultimate hypothetical because there were so many variables going into that whole decision. Would you do this if this? Well, yeah, I would do it. But then you got to add, then what about this? They, they were developing this, so we had to do this. We needed to send a message over here to Russia. 
You know, it's like all these things that were in it make it one of the most fascinating events in modern warfare. And that's why it's still so talked about. And plus just the massive loss of life all at once. And, you know, it's not the only historic anniversary that was celebrated this week. You know, today, August 6th, is the 60th anniversary of Hiroshima. August 4th, 33 years ago, I was brought home from the orphanage. Oh, really? My mom called me and informed me. I didn't even know. I didn't know that August 4th was my adoption day. So how old were you when you were adopted? Uh, like six weeks old. Wow. Well, congratulations, Dave. Thanks. Maybe we should talk about that instead. <laughs> how are you on the ticket? <clears throat> hey, uh, Gordon, this is Jim. How are you? Fine. Good. Um, I was listening, and, and the last guy was talking about people having selective history or looking at history selectively, and uh, history, by its definition, is pretty much selective. If you're the winner, That's you true. get to write it, but everybody has their own version of it. Um, a few, a guy, the guy who was on forever a few calls ago, <laughs> um, talking about, nobody talks about Dresden, nobody talks about the rape of Nanking. I mean, every, if you're in, if you're in, if you're into history, everybody knows the rape of Nanking. It's, it's, that's what it's officially called. And everybody officially knows the raising of Dresden. Right. Um, and the thing that nobody pays attention to is and that. Slaughterhouse-Five is a book on that, I think. What? Slaughterhouse Five was set in Dresden, wasn't it? Well, actually, I think that I think that Phil Jackson actually owns the rights to both of those names. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I mean, um, nuclear weapons have been used exactly twice in the history of mankind, both times by us. Um, you can debate whether or not it was right or wrong, but it, it's a Pandora's box that we opened, and we have to take a little bit of uh, responsibility for that. I mean. You know, we invade Iraq because they might have weapons of mass destruction. Well, we have them, and Pakistan has them, and Israel probably has them, and China has them, and Russia has them. But I, I, I just find it to be, we're not, we aren't treating the rest of the world with equal rules. I just, I just don't get that. And then, and then um, one guy was, the uh, Republican guy was talking about total warfare in this uh, century. The, the entire idea of going away from the British model of, you know, one army lines up here, one army lines up there, that, that entire thing was broken by Americans. I mean, the entire idea of um, guerrilla warfare, house-to-house warfare, we pretty much tossed out there during the, uh, during, uh, you know, the, um, the Revolutionary War. So we have to take responsibility for that as well. All right. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Hi, you're on Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. Uh, yeah, I was li- listening to the show and that other caller that was talking forever, and you had talked about putting complexity <laughs> into war and not making it black and white. And, right. and I really think that that's the, when you're in the military, you're taught to think in black and white, or your your just mind will melt down because your moral your moral abilities will kick in, and you won't know what to do. Yeah, I do. But, I think I think you're right there. I think that but, the complexity has to be taken on by the leaders. And exactly. when, but when you're in the trenches, I mean, obviously you can't sit there and debate. Right. Now, I was just fired at. You know, do I really think it's this guy or the guy right next to him and all that? But, Obviously, you can't well, do it then. But what about today's war we have going on where the uh, I hate to, the enemy is the terrorist, okay? And the terrorist thinks that if you have a, the ide- ideology that's opposite of theirs, then you're the enemy. It doesn't matter if you're a child or a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. And we're over here trying to go, well, we only want to kill this guy or we only want to kill that guy and we don't know. They don't care. They want to kill us all. Mm-hmm. So how do you combat that? What What's the, I, I, I constantly drive around in my car all day for my job, and I sit there and think to myself, how would you combat against that without having to go on 
you know, we're going house to house. They're producing terrorists faster than we're killing them or, or capturing them. So it's a losing battle until we do something humongous. We, we have to legalize drugs is what Yeah, I think that's what you're arguing. Well, you know, that would be such a great tax break. Then we could lower the taxes. But anyways, and then you know how you were talking earlier about how, how has this world gotten to where everybody tries to stick a label on everybody else? That's always been the way it's been. Maybe it has. It's always been that way. I think you're about my age. I'm 36, graduated from Lake Highland. I'm younger than that. You're close to death to me. Exactly. But it's all you don't really notice that until you get older and you start paying attention. But if you look at my dad talks about it the same way. Everybody's always pointing fingers. Oh, you're, oh, you're conservative. You must hate everybody and you want to take everybody's money. I know. Oh, you know it's, it's just so frustrating. I mean, you're right. Maybe I just opened my eyes to it. But it's just so frustrating how n nobody's interested in talking or thinking or anything. They're just interested in reacting. They're just interested in acting on their emotion. And their emotion may have no reflection in reality. It's all we need to do is just stereotype, assume everyone thinks the same way, put them in a group, and then react against the group. And it just, it's so damned frustrating. Because a lot of smart people end up never thinking. Because, you know, it, it takes, I think... At least for me, it's difficult to. Thinking maybe doesn't come naturally to me. And, you know, you're naturally lazy. And you don't want to think about some complex issue of whether it's warfare or abortion or euthanasia or legalized. Oh, think about all that. Just go get some beer, man. No! You know, that's what you want to do. We're naturally, maybe we're naturally lazy creatures. I can't speak for everyone. I am. I am. Sure as hell. And, you know, it's work to think. And that's why it's so refreshing when somebody comes along, appeals to your emotion, whether a conservative talk show host or a liberal talk show host. All they do is they just start appealing to your emotion. You know, you hate when people get stuff for free. You know, and they capitalize on that feeling that everyone has. You know, and then they convince you into some whole host of ideology by saying, you know what, those other people, everyone you see, all they do is they just want stuff for free. They want you to work hard, and then they just want to take what you got. You need to hate them. Look at them. They who, probably, who are they they? probably all think that. Who are they? See, you're already, I'm working you up. Yeah. Isn't that great? It's just all of it becomes an appeal to emotionalism. And, and we fall for it because we want the world just make it simple. Please, don't, I don't want to research what video camera to buy. Just tell me which one to buy. It's the paradox of choice. The paradox of thinking, too. Hi, you're on Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. Is this a dark heart of Gordon Keith? I don't have a dark heart, sir. Hey, no, I was talking to you a little earlier. Yeah. Hey, I'll try to make this as brief as possible. Uh, basically, uh, I spoke to you earlier uh, offline off about why we had to drop the bomb at that particular point. Uh, one, it was to make a very large impact, no pun intended. Secondly, the Japanese were developing superior or, uh, air power because they were going to be within four or five months flying jet airplanes. We were going to go in with our bombers. Once we were able to set up in the Pacific Rim to go in and bomb Tokyo and other cities, that we, we would not have had the superior, superiority in the war, which would have, would have elongated that war even further, four, five, six years. This, these were the advisors that were to, to Truman that had carried over from the, uh, the Roosevelt administration. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, as far as the moral clarity, probably not the most moral thing to do. But also I think that part of the reason that the, the, the bomb was dropped was there was a thing called Pearl Harbor. And I think the uh, the Bataan Death March probably didn't help the the Japanese you know sympathies for the Japanese very much either. No, uh, now, again, like I said, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm saying I think those were some of the reasons why it had to be done. Plus, the other the last point is we had to show the war that we were the that we we meant business. 
you, you don't win. You don't go to war to not lose. You go to war to win it. And sometimes you have to do it at all costs because the tide of the war had already changed in Germany. It was going to take longer for Japan, and we had to make sure that uh, once that bomb was dropped, that we had we had made our point, and we are here, and we're, we're here to stay. And uh, you know, the war is over. You know, basically. So, I mean, if I didn't, if there's anything that I wasn't clear on, let me know. So. Believe me, I would not make you repeat anything. <laughs> now, thanks for your points. See? Caller calls up, makes his point, doesn't just attack me. That's what I like. Uh, yeah, and plus they were developing plasma TVs, as Dave mentioned. Why is Jimmy Johnson smiling behind all of these That's not Jimmy Johnson drinks. on the business section of the Dallas Morning News. Okay, enough of observing the anniversary of Hiroshima. We need to talk, Dave, as briefly as we can, but we need to talk about what is going on. Here's another politically correct politically issue. Correct issue is the NCAA has acted to get rid of Indian-based mascots. But they can't totally get rid of them. They're, they're just trying to put the pressure to make schools get rid of them. Yeah, so the NCAA says you can have an Indian mascot but you can't participate in our tournaments, right? Well, I think that they're saying that the, the physical mascot, like, you know, the, uh, you know, the Seminole for Florida State that, you know, okay, so rides, just the mascots out, that rides out onto the field and so throws the spear into the ground. You can be in our tournaments, just your mascots can't appear because right. they're offensive. Whether, whether it's a real dude in an Indian headdress or it's a, you know, a big foam cartoon Indian, if if uh, you make it into you know a bowl game or if you make it into the basketball tournament, any official NCAA championship, that that mascot cannot be in the building. Okay, few questions for you. Number one, are American Indians really? Do you know any? First of all, Corby. Boy, that one <laughs> barely counts. It so barely counts. I wonder if they are they really offended well, by this. There is another uh, there is another story that accompanies this in the morning news, and it talks about how because, um, like you know, I see the uh, they just showed a clip of the guy on the horse with the flaming spear, right? And he throws it, and to me, that looks cool. It looks neat. The guy isn't doing something. He's not out there playing on some stereotype. You know, he's not. He's not Chief Wahoo. He's not gambling and you know <laughs> drinking and or whatever the negative stereotypes are. You know, so is it a negative portrayal that he's doing? And if it's not a negative portrayal, then are American Indians really that offended by it? Well, evidently, I mean, there, there are Indian groups who are applauding the NCAA and saying, you know, that this is long overdue. Well, but, maybe uh, so. And may, maybe this is the first step towards, you know, Florida State being pressured to change their nickname or the Washington Redskins changing their nickname. I don't know that you it know will what? ever come even to that. The, even the... Um, I read this one time. I don't know if this is true. But I read one time, you know, the Catholic Church, you know, there's a lot of times they're portrayed badly in a movie. And sometimes they get upset about it if it's really, you know, a pernicious, you know, portrayal. But uh, a lot of times they just don't take a position on it because they know that it's one of the greatest marketing things they have. Is because whenever the church is represented in a movie, it tends to always be the Catholic Church. And it movies are so pervasive that people, you know, I'm kind of curious about the Catholic Church, and they research, and they may get into the church that way. Hey, guys. I mean, what other coverage? I mean, isn't that the time you see most Native Americans is in the portrayal of, 
you know, hey, we're the Seminoles, and we're going to bring some real Seminoles out here, and we're going to have them do their traditional war dance or whatever. I mean, isn't there a good aspect to it? Can't there know. be? Have you all seen that even the Indians themselves can't agree because the Florida Seminole tribe has entered a pact with Florida State saying that everything's fine and, you know, they support that, but other Seminole tribes outside of the state are saying, no, that's, that's crap. You shouldn't support that kind of thing. So even with them, amongst themselves, they can't agree on anything. But, but it seems to me like to be an argument of, I mean, not all the exploitation of the Indian image is bad, is it? Uh, yeah, I, like you say, like I said, if you come out and you're the Seminoles and you have some real Seminoles out there to do some traditional dance, and then kids are sitting in the audience and they look at this, oh, I think that's cool. I want to learn about Indians, and they right. learn or, about or, the Seminoles. Or, and what's what's the harm? How's that bad? Or the, you know, the like the opening ceremonies of the Olympics when it was in Salt Lake, and they had you know all the you know traditional Indian dances and all the representative tribes from Utah. You know, <clears throat> that could I guess. You know, if you wanted to take a hardline stance, you could say, well, you know, this is just the Olympic machine exploiting Indians as a novelty, mm -hmm. you know, and, and showing them as like a circus act for the rest of the world. Look at these crazy people that live here in Utah. Yeah, you could make that argument. I mean, you know, but, Which, the, fli but the flip side... Your the flip side is, what if it does a lot of good and, you know, a lot of people become aware and a lot of people may read about it and a lot of people are interested in it. And it is exposure to an Indian culture that a kid may not get anywhere else. I, I'm just, it annoys me this categorical kind of thing when politically correct thinking gets so overwrought that it loses sight of a, of a bigger picture. And that sometimes you can utilize uh, exploitation for good reasons. You can exploit things goodly. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. You can exploitation exploit not, things goodly. Yeah, exploitation is not, not always a bad thing. It's not just a pejorative term, is it? I, it has the negative connotation. Yeah, it does. Sure. And I don't know. I mean, like, I know in contracts and stuff, you know, you have the right to, right to exploit this intellectual property or something. And it's not used negatively. It's right. a good thing. You should exploit that. You should use it for some purpose. Yeah, it's just it's become one of those kind of taboo words. I guess. Now, you know, and when you get into, okay, the Cleveland Indians mascot or something, all right, if that's drawn a little bit too cartoony and it's offensive, okay, big deal. I'm not so married to that mascot, you know. But when you get into, yeah, the Seminoles enter an agreement, they say it's good. Hey, listen. Yeah, and they show uh, the uh, <clears throat> Illinois Illini mascot on the uh, cover of the morning news. And that's another, you know, specific tribe. Right. I don't know, but uh, I, once again, this is going to be a real, it's going to be an argument, not about rationality, not about, okay, well, here's an issue. Let's think it through, and let's think of how best we can do this. Satisfies, you know, kind of both people. Let's see, what is their objection? Okay, well, let's absorb that objection and figure out, any, no, it's not going to be none of that. It's going to be people yelling at each other on both sides based out of emotion. I wonder what Kid And we're stalemated once again. I wonder what Kid Craddock thinks of this story. Yeah, what is your Indian name? Yeah. There's another good one. Okay, is that was that bad when he did that? It, evidently it was because he had to apologize. He had to, to apologize and the Cherokee Nation or whoever. I don't uh -huh. know. What's your Indian name? I mean, do you really think Kid Craddock had evil intent? You know, he is out to destroy a people. Mine's two knuckle brown eye.
Sports Radio 1310 The Ticket, we realize the economy is up and down, which is why we remind you that the best cure for a plunging Dow is a plunging neckline. 1159 Sports Radio 1310 The Ticket. So, we get to the end of another rant that gets away from us. Some topic gets brought up and we go off on some tangent. Today I, didn't even, I, I didn't even know coming into the show that that was the, the anniversary of uh, Hiroshima today or Hiroshima. I didn't either. Somehow we got to talking about it. How do you say it? Me? Hiroshima. Hiroshima? Yeah. I don't like the Hiroshima. I also say Caribbean. Instead of Caribbean? Yeah. Which I think that's out of favor now to say <laughs> Caribbean. Why? Because we t- killed too many of them? Or no, they killed our... Fins of the Jap? No, they, they killed our hot 18-year-olds. Yeah, I know. That girl in OD'd her on a date rape drug. They went awry. Tell me more about this at lunch. Yeah, take your pants off. The best 